whenever I travel someplace to teach, not here, and whenever I come here to teach, I, I'm always sure to have a copy of the Metta Sutta with me. As a matter of fact, when I travel to other places to teach, it's the only piece of paper that I absolutely always take with me. Um, oh, maybe I'll get to do this in the lunchtime. I, uh, or this afternoon, uh, sometimes I always take the Metta Sutta with me because I know it will come up s- soon when I'm teaching, regardless of what it is that I'm teaching, and that I'll then want everybody to have it. So I'll bring it along and give it to the management wherever I am for them to print it out. And sometimes what I bring with me is, uh, what I, is a little pamphlet that I've made with the Metta Sutta on one side of it, a page, and two pieces of poetry on, uh, along with it. And one of them is uh, a poem called uh, Keeping Quiet, Akearse, by Pablo Neruda, because it so touches my heart about the recognition of the truth about the human condition that it is difficult for everyone and the way in which that difficult recognition elicits kindness as a natural response. And I also bring a poem called On Kindness by Naomi Shihab Nye, a Palestinian-American poet. Particularly because I like the line that says, in the end, it's only kindness that gets us out of bed every day to go to mail a letter and buy bread. It's only kindness that sticks its head out for you above a crowd and goes with you everywhere as a friend. I think it's as a shadow and a friend. But we'll all know by later this afternoon because I'll manage for us all to have that little pamphlet to take home and put on your refrigerator, everybody. <laughs> if you're re- I don't know anybody who has a refrigerator that doesn't have stuff stuck on the front of it. So. It's a good thing to have on your refrigerator. Please take out your Metta Sutta because we'll read it together. One of the things that we have done, and I'm thinking that you likely noticed it, is that one way or another and at different times, we have talked about different parts of the Eightfold Path. And... uh, We've examined each part of the path as if it's a separate thing. Wise action, wise speech came up in different times and all of us have mentioned it. I often think about that path, especially after I got involved in practice and studied and thought about all of them, that it's not a usual kind of a path because a usual kind of a path begins here and ends there. And I think that this particular path begins here and ends here, but really here. The here not so waked up, and then here really waked up. That the end of, um, isn't it the end of four quartets that ends, that uh, in the end we'll arrive at the place where we first started and know it for the first time that that's it. We'll journey around and journey around, and more and more we'll grow into knowing. 
my, one of my teachers said to me that there's different kinds of knowing deeply what's true about the world. And there are people who are little K-knowers. That's most of us. We know a little bit those things about life as precarious and at any time we could lose anybody or anything. It's precious, really. We know it, but we don't remember it all the time. We don't remember when we're desperately depressed. We don't remember when we feel, I can't ever get out of this. This will never end. This will this, this will that. This will surely end terribly. We don't know that for sure. Those are all guesses that we make out of a mind that's not steady. And all of what we're doing is trying to soothe the mind so it's more steady. Soothe it, and then so it doesn't fall asleep. Keep it waked up. Keep it tranquil and alert so we can see what's going on and respond. So it's all about that. And it can be summarized in that Eightfold Path. So I began to think it's not a path from here to there, it's a path from here to here. And, and because everything leads to everything else, maybe it's an Eightfold Circle. You just go around and around and around and around and you figure it out from, and you finish that way and you just do it forever. But then I thought since each part of the path is actually another part of the path that wise action and say in terms of wise morality, wise ethics, wise ethics is a manifestation of wise understanding. If everybody's already suffering so much, why would you add another drop of pain into somebody's life? Everybody's got enough pain in their life as it is. So wise understanding subsumes all the other ones. When you really know how much pain people feel, from having you say something out of unkindness. <laughs> I realized this morning it's ridiculous to tell you that when I was seven years old, I got a U in a course, but it hurt my feelings. And I tell you that to say hurt feelings last eternally. If you all thought about it, what's the earliest hurt feelings you had in your life? I think it's probably four or five or six. So, and we don't forget that kind of thing. If I realize that, you have to be very careful with what you say. It's all out of wise understanding. So it's the eightfold circle. But then since every circle really, every dot on the circle is every other dot one way or another, a permutation of it, maybe they all come together and it's not an eightfold path, it's an eightfold dot. It never gets there. It's just a dot and it's all in that dot. But this is it in the Metta Sutta, the same eightfold dot. Let's read it together. You read it along with me. This is what should be done. Come. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would really reprove. Stop, stop, stop. What do you think all of those had to do with? Think of the path, think of the path, think of the path. Which parts of the path did we just talk about of the eight wise? Wise action, wise speech, wise livelihood. That's a summary of sila practice. That John said the, the name. Uh, 
the, the name of the path is uh, morality. What, what do we say? We're not going to say morality. Harmony. Harmony. That's the harmonize the mind part of the path. Okay? So oh, that's the harmonize the mind summary. Now let's continue to read. This is so if you do all of those things, this is saying to you, you do all of those things, voila, then you will be capable. You will be, because you will be uh, able, be, you'll, be in, you'll be glad and you'll be, feel safe. You will be able to wish, let's do this together, wish in, in kind, gladness and in safety. May all beings be at ease, whatever it may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life for her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, free from hatred or will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. Stop. So first of all, what's the recollection that what is <laughs> what's the recollection that we should sustain? May all beings be at ease. May all beings be at ease. That recollection in our hearts and minds, as we say it to people, as we manifest it in our behavior with people, that not only is universally good for everybody. John said it when he said, "Those are the three things that we that everybody wishes: to feel safe, to be, to feel content or happy, to feel strong." Everybody, everybody here wishes it for themselves, and the acknowledgement that everybody else wants it keeps us really relating to other people, first of all, as if they're our kin. That person is just like me. There's a moment in... Um, well, I'll tell you that story later. I, it's too long of a story to do in time. To be able to look at people, they aren't me. They're a different manifestation on this world. Sometimes people like to say that person is me. In a certain way, they're part of, we are all part of this current uh, pass-through, of this current manifestation of creation that looks like each of us in all our different shapes and forms and ages. And the beings seen and unseen that are in the room, there are a few unseen beings in the room that you've probably noticed. It's wonderful to think of two beings getting the transmission at the same time. But to be able to wish it wholeheartedly is an amazing evolutionary move because often when we, we teach metta, when I teach metta, and, and people don't know it well, 
they meet it and they meet it with some hesitation. They say, okay, this sounds good, but uh uh-oh, you're not going to actually wish that I wish well for so-and-so or so-and-so or that one or this one or this one who hurt me so long ago. To have a really a benevolent heart on all beings, are you? Say yes. Not to like them, not to think they are or were doing great things, but to not really understand deeply that everybody is doing what they're doing because they couldn't do other, because their karma is different from my karma and everybody else's karma. It's a really um, freeing understanding because then everybody is just who they are and worthy of compassion, especially if they seem to be being run by uh, a sense of dis-ease in themselves. May all beings be at ease. And it's also extremely good for me or for you or for anybody to have a mind that completely can say, may all beings be at ease. My own mind does not get troubled by old stories except this one who once upon a time or except that one who once upon a time. Why not? May all beings be at ease. Once upon a time, um, in uh, the uh, the uh, in the fall of the year, I was taking a walk with a close friend of mine, also a teacher in this tradition. And uh, particularly, it was coming up Yom Kippur, which is the day in the Jewish year when you hope to have rectified all of your mistakes with other people and ask for forgiveness and that you've thought of the people who've wronged you and uh, offered them forgiveness and you hope to have done that. Really making your heart pure to start a new year. And she said, do you have anybody in the world that uh, uh, is outside of the all beings to whom you wish well? So because she's my very close friend, I said, well, you know, as a matter of fact, there is one person, and because we're very close, this friend of mine and myself, I said, you know, so-and-so, once upon a time, this and that, and they sent me a letter, and they said this and that about myself, and I was so wounded, and I was so mad, and I told her the whole story about how long it took. Oh, actually, I told her that, so I'm so wounded and so mad. And she said to me, do you mean to say that in the whole billions of people in the world, there's one person standing between you and completely loving all beings. I said, why don't you get over that? So I, I must say that on the moment I didn't say, okay, I'm cured, but it, it went in and I heard it because I suddenly realized, ah, what's the matter with me? And some months later, some months later, all of a sudden, I was going to some event in which I knew I would meet this person there. And I'd seen this person many times in the course of the years that we didn't speak to each other. And we'd actually been not horrible, hello, hello, not horrible to each other. But on that particular occasion, I said hello in a better way. Because on the way to the place, I realized I don't like this person because every time I... I I think of him, I think to myself, how could he have said that about me? And then, ah, my mind is all stormed up. 
So I was driving to this event and I thought to myself, how could they have said this to me? I'm going to see him. How could I have said this? How could he have said that to me? And I thought to myself, they said it because it's true. I was really surprised. I was, so to speak, stopped in my tracks. They said it because it's true. So when I saw them, I said, hello, in a nicer way than I had in 10 years, I guess. They said back, hello. At the end of the evening, they said, you want to meet for lunch sometime? We always used to. I said, yes. We met for lunch once a month here and there. We're both in the same sort of line of work. After some months, I said, we should talk about it. Yeah, we agreed we should talk about it. I said, when I thought about all these years, when I thought about you, I thought, how could you have said it about me? And one time, the time that we made the date to start to meet again, I thought, how could they have said that to me? And I thought, they said it because it's true. And they said, no, it's not. (laughs) And then they said, you know, since that happened, I have been so feeling terrible about, I've messed up so many relationships in my life by not thinking something over before I say it and by, by, and really by hurting people's feelings and sometimes breaking relationships that were meaningful to me. So the truth is, they did speak a little, per- they did speak peremptorily and the truth is what they said was somewhat true, but it's not true about me all the time, and it was true in a certain situation. And the parts of me that that was true about did me some good to hear about, because I could fix it up. So really, this is about liberating one's own heart from the constraints not only of feeling I can love everybody in the whole world, but not that person, but also from hiding from myself the truth about myself, And I can forgive myself for that particular trait that this person picked up on and told me about that I didn't want to hear or listen to for 10 years. So that's really omitting none. It's a big practice. You really have to feel in gladness and in safety to let that in. Let's read the rest of it. That's the training of the mind and heart (laughs) that we're doing here all the time and every place else in our life when we are awake to what it is we're supposed to be doing. So we're not waiting for the next retreat. We're waiting for the next moment in which we could wake up, which is the next moment. Okay, here we are. One should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding So what do you think is the sublime abiding? This, when it says this, what's the this? May all beings be at ease. That's the sublime abiding. May all beings be at ease. This is said to be the sublime abiding. Let's finish together. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. So there are two things that I have to tell you about those two last lines. Um, 
I think it's an awkwardness, an awkwardness of uh, translations. I think the next to the last line is poorly translated. I think it's meant to read being freed from the imperative of sense desires. Sense desires do not go away in living beings. I feel like eating lunch now. I imagine all of you feel like eating lunch now. When I feel tired, I feel like lying down. I'm supposed to feel hungry and tired and hot and needing to do whatever you need to do to make your body comfortable. We have senses that let us know how to take care of ourselves. So it really means being freed from the imperative of sense desires. <laughs> Maybe some of you... <laughs> I, I, at the end of a month-long retreat that I sat recently as a retreatant, not two years ago or three, at the end of the, three, uh, of the month, uh, we hadn't talked to each other at all, and we had made small circles in the room of six or eight people in a circle to introduce each other and talk to each other a little bit after a month of not talking. We'll do that tomorrow morning. And we went around the room, we were given the task to go around and each person should say one thing. And where one person said, I wonder if anybody else like me has been thinking about why don't they have coffee here? You think about a whole month, and that's what you think about. Somebody, somebody else said, I don't think about that. I've been thinking about hamburgers all the time. So we do not get free of sense desires, but that person did without the coffee, and the other person did without the hamburger. That being freed of the imperative of sense desires. Is not born again into this world. My sense is, I don't know... I want to stay away from cosmology because who knows about cosmology. I want to say that I think of rebirth as happening every minute that I move into the next minute. I, every morning that I wake up, I am reborn into a new day of potential behavior. I had a friend once who had a partner, and she said, uh, you know, for the longest time, all of them practitioners, she said, my partner just so gets on my nerves they say every morning, they wake up, sit up in bed, and say, this is the best day of my whole life. And I think to myself, how do they know? It didn't happen yet. But if you wake up and you think, I have another day to manifest as a loving presence in the world, hey, that's a great thing to think about yourself. The stories that we hear about people passing who in the last minute, no, not even who are passing, who expect to be and have time to thank everybody. The people on doomed flights on 9-11 who could make a cell phone call said variations of, my plane is going down, I'm not going to make it, take good care of yourself, take care of the children, I love you. They didn't say, I never liked the fact that you left the breakfast dishes <laughs> in the sink. <laughs> That stuff falls away. <laughs> what we are practicing moment to moment as we wake up every day into a renewed sense of ourselves is that there is a way in this life, in this very body, in this very life, in this very world, the body decaying and getting older every day and this life being complicated as it is, and the world really complicated, and the planet drying up, what we have every day is the possibility of getting up and saying, wow, 
what can I do with this one more day to make a difference? How can I love this world? And that's what we're practicing. Not because we're going to get a prize, like a Girl Scout or a Boy Scout medal, because it's going to make us the happiest. Sometimes people listen to me talk when I say something like that, and they say, do you really think the world is going to really save itself at the last minute, look so doomed? I don't know if it's going to save itself. But even if it isn't going to save itself, there are going to be, until the end, people who are consoling other people. And I want to be among the consolers. And I think you do too. Because sad as consoling always is, it's the sweetest place of connection. And the best we can do for everyone. It's the biggest manifestation of love, I think. So, now it's time to eat lunch. (laughs) Walking down, saying, lifting, moving, placing, or may all beings be peaceful, may all beings be happy, or saying, safe, happy, strong, safe, happy, strong, and have a wonderful lunch. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.